John the Apostle wrote this in 1 John 3 and verse 20. He said, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. See, God knows it all. There's not a thing that God doesn't know. Isaiah 40 and verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? But Then the rest of the verse says, There is no searching of his understanding. You see, God knows it all. And I like what Psalm 147 and verse number 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. There's no end to his understanding. A more thorough definition of the term omniscience, I'm sorry, states that God knows all things actual and possible, past, present, and future in one eternal act. Think about this. God knows all things that exist. He knows also all the what-ifs of our entire lives. Think about this. God knows what your life would have been had you not chosen to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God knows what your life would be if you didn't say yes to the person who asked you to marry them. God knows all the what-ifs in our lives and in every life and in every situation there ever was and ever will be. Uh, God knows also all future events. Because God is eternal and knows all things in one eternal act, events that are future to man or are, are, an eternal, uh, are eternal now to God. He knows the events that will yet transpire upon the earth. The story is told of a cowboy I read about who was riding along and he happened upon a, an Indian who was lying flat on the ground with his ear pressed to the earth. And the Indian said, wait, wagon, two mile off, drawn by two horses, one black, the other gray, four people on board, man in red flannel shirt, his wife and two kids. Cowboy was obviously very impressed. And he said, you know, it's amazing. You can tell all that just by listening to the earth. The Indian said, no, they ran me over 30 minutes ago. Go after them. <laughs> you see, God can actually tell the future, and he knows what the future beholds. We're impressed if someone thinks they can predict something, but God doesn't need to predict anything. He knows exactly what's going to take place. Someone else said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. God knows how many apples are going to come out of that one seed. And that's how great our God is. God's knowledge is intuitive. It is immediate, not coming through the senses. It is simultaneous, not acquired through observation or reason. It is actual, complete, and according to reality. In other words, God has no teachers, and He cannot learn anything because He already knows it all. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Because he has all knowledge. 
Now, sometimes in Scripture, we see that we, we see God asking questions, and that's kind of a curious thing, isn't it? Adam, where art thou? Do you recall that question there in Genesis chapter 3? After he took of that forbidden fruit and went and hid himself in that garden with his wife? Look, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. And he needs someone to tell him, and he's at a loss for words. And oh no, where have I, what have I done with Adam? I've lost him. No, no, no. He's asking for the benefit of the person being asked. Just like if you were to ask a, a second grader, who was the first president of the United States? You're not asking because you don't know the answer. At least hopefully you know the answer. <laughs> um, you're asking for the benefit to, of them to seeing if they know the answer. And so as God was asking, Adam, where art thou? It wasn't because God didn't know where he was. It was because Adam didn't know where Adam was. You already know the answer. You're, you're showing that young one whether or not he knows the answer. It reminds me of the, uh, of the boy who started his first day of school. He came home and announced that he wasn't going back. But why not? Asked his mom. Well, he said, the teacher is the dumbest woman I've ever met in my entire life. Whoa. And then he continued, she knows absolutely nothing at all. She has to ask me everything. (laughs) And you know, God is not like that, though. He knows everything there is to know and never will know. Let's look this morning at uh, Psalm 139 and consider three very important truths about God's omniscience found in this passage of Scripture. First of all, I want us to see, number one today, that God knows us completely. God knows us completely. You know, it's easy to talk about the fact that God knows all things, but then when we start zeroing it out and, 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 and bringing it home to where I'm sitting, God knows me. Uh oh. Well, look at verse number one here. David is the human author of this uh, wonderful chapter of the Bible, and he says in verse one, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Said, Lord, you know me. You know everything there is to know about me. In fact, he knows more about me than I know about me. He knows more about you than you know about you. Matthew 10 and verse number 30. Do you remember this verse that Jesus said? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows everything about you. Do you know how many hairs that are on your head? Probably not. Now, I know how many hairs are on my head. I've been keeping track, keeping inventory. It's getting lower by the day. Now, God does, and guess what? He has them all numbered. So throughout my life, there's been a lot of numbers that have swam down the drain. There went 4,822,000. Oh, come back here. God knows everything about us, and that's an example of one of the things that nobody here has counted their hairs. But God has, and he has them all numbered. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that all things in us are open in his sight. In uh, Hebrews 4.13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things 
are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. You see, everything about us is clear as day in His sight. There's nothing we can do to hide anything in our lives from God's presence and God's knowledge. He knows it all. John 2 and verse 24, Jesus did not commit Himself unto them because He knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So God knows all about us. He knows us completely. David here in this psalm tells us exactly, specifically what God knows about us. Let's dive into it this morning. First of all, God knows what we do. God knows what we do in verse number two here. David said, Lord, you knowest my downsitting and my uprising. He he said, Lord, you know when I sit down and when I get up, how long I sit down and how long I lay down. He knows it all. He knows everything we have ever done and everything we will ever do. He knows the everyday things that we do. He knows how long you brush your teeth or even if you brushed your teeth this morning. Uh, He knows what route you take to work, how many uh, grains of sugar that you put into your coffee. He knows what time you eat lunch every day. He knows what you listen to on the radio. He knows how much time you spend on Facebook. He knows how you interact with your family. He knows what time you fall asleep at night. He knows everything about what you and I do. Even if you think no one else does, God does. He knows the everyday things we do. He knows the good things we do. I'm thankful for Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10. This is an encouragement to me as part of someone who is serving in the Lord in the ministry. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that he have ministered to the saints and do minister. God takes notice of the things that we do for him. And he records it and he never forgets it. I'm so thankful that he knows the good things we do. And even if no one else applauds you, even if no one else gives you a trophy or whatever, God takes notice. And he will always forever remember your work and labor of love. So he knows the everyday things we do. He knows the good things we do. He also knows the sinful things we do. Though we might not want him to know the sinful things that we do, he knows them just the same. Jeremiah 29, verse 23, I would encourage you to at least jot that reference down. This is a powerful verse. It says, because they have committed villainy in Israel and have committed adultery with their neighbor's wives and have spoken lying words in my name, which I have not commanded them. So there's a laundry list of sinful things here, and then the end of the verse says, even I know and am a witness, saith the Lord. Fortunately, God does see everything that we do. The everyday, the mundane, things of life. God takes notice and knows. He knows the good things. He knows the sinful things we do. God knew when Adam ate of that forbidden fruit in the garden. God knew when Achan sinfully took of the spoil of Jericho. God knew when Saul failed to completely obey the Lord's command. God knew when David committed adultery with Bathsheba. God knew when David sent orders for the murder of Uriah. 
You fast forward to the New Testament. I think about when God knew when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost. There in Acts chapter number 5. You see, God sees everything and knows it all. He has a way of bringing these things to light, though, too, doesn't he? The things done in secret, sometimes he'll shine the spotlight, spotlight in them. Maybe not right then, but later. The Bible verse on that, of course, some of us know it. Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Well, this past week, we saw this truth illustrated in a powerful way when news broke around the country regarding the largest ever college admissions bribery scandal. Sin was brought to light. Things done in secret are now out in the open. I just want to mention a couple things regarding that. When all of this originally happened, God saw and God knew. And I also thought about this. Sin doesn't just affect one person, does it? When you and I sin, it doesn't just affect me. It affects a whole host of people. Just as we saw illustrated this past week. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. There's a whole lot of people who sin and try to sweep it under the rug. Let's Let's not let anybody know about this one. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Look, God knows, and be sure your sin will find you out, whether in this life or at one point, God is going to make it clear and make it known. So we see that God uh, knows all that we do. I think Hannah, I think of 1 Samuel 2 and verse 3. As Hannah prayed there and she said, The Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him actions are weighed. He knows all of our actions. He knows everything that we have ever done and ever will do. So God knows what we do. God also knows, secondly, what we think. He knows what we think. In verse number two, once again, thou knowest my downsitting, my uprising. And he says, thou understandest my thought afar off. See, God knows everything that has taken place between your ears from the time you were born until the time that you passed from this life. God knows every thought. Hmm. Psalm 44 and verse 21, shall not God... Search this out, for he knoweth the secrets of the heart. These are convicting truths. No one else on this planet knows every thought that you've ever had. No one. Not your wife, not your best friend, not your mom, though she knew probably a lot of them. (laughs) Moms know quite a bit. My wife knows quite a bit of what I'm thinking. But she doesn't know everything. God does. Job 42, Job said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from me. Job said, look, I I know you can do everything and that I can't hide a single thought that I've ever had before your presence. You know it. You know it all. Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9, the heart is deceitful above all things 
desperately wicked. Who could know it? Well, the next verse answers the question, who could know our heart? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The Lord knows our heart. By the way, you don't know your heart. This is a great proof text on not being a, not following the advice of Disney. Disney says, follow your heart. What a dangerous leader your heart is, because it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. When you follow your heart, it's not going to lead you in the right direction most of the time. 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 7, The Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your thoughts. Look, you can fool everyone, and I can fool everyone. I'm here to remind us this morning that God knows our hearts and that we cannot fool God. So if everyone thinks you're just wonderful, but in your thought life, it's been vile and wicked, God knows, and you can't fool Him. So God knows what we do. God knows what we think. God also knows where we go. Verse number three. He says, Thou compass my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. God knows every place that you have ever been and ever will go. How long you stayed there. He knows it all. All the paths that I tread, the whole course of my life, all that I do in all places and all times is fully known to Him. He knows it all. By the way, He also knows the websites that I have visited and the websites you have visited as well. And that's why it's important for us to be very careful with where we go online. Some dangerous places, dangerous things to see. We need to be careful. We recently got a filter in our home for our internet that has some accountability there. And it's a helpful thing. We need to be careful with where we go. Proverbs 5 and verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. So the Lord knows where you go. The way of you, your ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Isaiah 29 and verse 15. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? This is the one who says, hey, it's dark, it's deep, no one sees. Who can see me? No one. Wrong. God does. And he knows. Don't think there's ever a moment of your life that God doesn't know what's happening in full, vivid, living color detail. God knows everything about us. He knows what we do. He knows what we think. He knows where we go. He knows what we say. He knows what we say in verse number four. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. The Lord knows everything that you have ever said and everything that you will ever say. The things that have been heard by others and the things that haven't. Because if you're like me, maybe you've talked to yourself before or quite a bit. Sometimes I'm the most interesting person in the whole, wor- in the whole room. 
The things that people have heard you say and the things that people haven't. God knows it all. The things, the words that you have thought about saying and didn't say, God knows. God knows exactly the words that you say and also the intent of the words that you say. Maybe you said something to your parents and your, your heart wasn't behind the actual words. Well, God saw that as well. God knows what we say, and we are going to give an account for every idle word that we have ever spoken. God knows what we do. God knows what we think, where we go, what we say, and also, I'm thankful for this one, God knows what we need. God knows what we need. Verse number five, thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. He said, there's really no escape from your knowledge. There's nowhere I can go where you're not going to know what's there. And you're not going to know what I'm doing, thinking, saying. I just can't escape. And he kind of felt protected in that. It's a protective thing. You know, I think when, when you had little ones in the house and you would do what you could, right, to protect them from injuring themselves because they didn't really understand how sharp this instrument was or, or this piece of glass that you have on the table. You, you do what you could to protect them, and that's, that's the Lord for us. He, he's there to protect us and to meet our needs. And His knowledge really acts as a protective hedge about us because He knows what we need. Matthew 6, 8 Jesus said, Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. Later in that chapter, Jesus said this too, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. The Lord knows the things that you need in your life right this moment. He's a loving Father. And just like a loving Father would want to give good gifts to His children... So God wants to give good gifts to us as well and to meet our needs as a loving father. So God knows all about us. He knows us completely. As David considered all of this, it led him to write verse number 6 of Psalm 139. As he thought through the different things that God knew about him, he said in verse number 6, such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me. He said, it is high and I cannot attain unto it. His mind was completely blown away as he thought of God's knowledge of who he was. He, can't even be, he couldn't even begin to understand, much less describe the depth of God's personal knowledge of his every action, of his every thought, and of his every trip, of his every word, and his every need. Are you amazed by how our great God really is? I hope so. He is so beyond what we can comprehend. Someone once said, if you were to uh, read uh, from start to finish, from the first part of your life until the end, for 70 years, from, from birth to 70 years, you would only get just a fraction of one of the libraries in this world. That's all you would get. That's all the knowledge you could attain in 70 years. It's a drop in the bucket compared to what God already knows. Paul said at the end of Romans 11, verse 33, he said this, Oh, the depth 
of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. As Paul thought about God, he said, look, I just can't, I don't even have the words to say how much I am worshiping the Lord because of how great he is. He stood amazed when he thought of God's infinite understanding and knowledge. May this attribute cause us to worship him as never before as well. Not only does God know us completely, God thinks of us constantly. Secondly, God thinks of us constantly. Drop down to verse number 17, I'm sorry, 17. Here David said, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. He thinks of us constantly. Pretty amazing. He thinks of me. And he has always thought of me. But guess what? At the same time, he has always thought of you as well. He's thought of everyone. Do you understand? Get this in our minds that God's understanding is infinite, according to the psalmist. Let's talk about the thoughts that God has toward us. First of all, his thoughts are, are precious. They're precious. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, David said. Once again, David is overwhelmed as he contemplates the greatness of God. He doesn't understand how God could think of him all the time. Now, the word precious here refers to expensive jewels. David treasures the realization that God is thinking about him every second of every day. He is so involved with our lives that we can't even begin to fathom how many times he thinks about us. And that leads us to not only are his thoughts precious, but his thoughts are countless. Verse number 17 The end of that verse says, How great is the sum of them, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Look, no calculator on earth could add up the amounts of thoughts that God has had for you. It would break every calculator on the planet. Someone guesstimated the number of grains of sand on the earth are 7 quintillion 500 quadrillion grains of sand. And it is just a guesstimate. Basically, what they did is they took a teaspoon of sand, counted how many grains were in that teaspoon, and then tried to kind of calculate the different uh, parts of sand. I mean, it's, that, that hurts my brain to even start thinking about that type of math. But God says, if I should count the thoughts that God has had toward me, they're more in number than the sand. Unbelievable. So his thoughts are countless. His thoughts are thirdly, also constant. Verse 18, when I awake, I am still with thee. He, he, you see, he thinks, he thinks about you when you think about him and when you don't think about him. Last night at 2 a.m. when you were sleeping, probably. There might be some who weren't sleeping at 2 a.m. But if you were sleeping at 2 a.m., God was thinking about you. If you're here in church, God's thinking about you right this moment. There comes a point in your life where you drift from the Lord and you're distant from Him. God's still thinking about you. He never stops thinking about you and He never will. One of the, one of the nicest things that Julie can ever say to me is that she thought of me all day. 
And she said that a few times to me. And I, and I appreciate when she says that. The truth of the matter is, I know that she's not being completely honest. I'm sure she thought about me throughout the day, but I don't think I was on her mind the entire time. I mean, she, let's face it, she's got four children. Two of them are in, are in here, the two most difficult of the four. <laughs> Just kidding, boys. She's dealing with four children. She's doing things in the house. She's, she can't be thinking about me the entire time. Now, there has never been a time in your life when God stopped thinking about you. When he says that he thinks about us, he is doing it constantly. Even if you weren't sure if he was there, and maybe he seemed distant, God was there thinking about you. Psalm 121 says this in verse number 3, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't need to take a break from, sleep, from thinking about you. You know, if you've ever you had a long day at work and you're like, get home and, and your spouse says, hey, tell me about your day. And you're like, I don't want to talk about my day. I just want to forget about all that. I'm just so tired of thinking about work. God never gets tired of thinking about taking care of you. He loves you. And his thoughts are to us continually. Thirdly, this morning, I want to share with you number three regarding God's omnipresence. God knows us completely. God thinks about us uh, constantly. And then number three, God searches us conclusively. Uh, Look here in verse number 23. Drop down if you would. Search me, O God, David says, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, doesn't God already know my heart? He said that he did in verse number one, thou hast searched me and known me. Why would now David say this? Uh, God wants us to invite him to search our lives, to take inventory of who we are. Now, while it's certainly a good idea to do some self-analysis, it's even better to ask God to examine you. Because if we're just examining ourselves, we're going to arrive at the conclusion that we're doing pretty good. Or at least that we're better than our neighbor or our coworker or my brother. Hey, I'm looking in and I'm like, well, look, I'm better than them, so I don't need to change anything. But when God searches my heart, it's a thorough investigation. And he's able then to tell us what we indeed need to work on. And so when asking God to evaluate our lives, we're really asking these four things from from God. First of all, uh, search me. Search me. When we're inviting God to search us, we're saying, Lord, I invite you into every part of my life. No, No portion of my life is off limits. The things that people know about me and the things that don't, I want you to search it all. Do a thorough investigation. Now, the verb search here is used for digging up valuable minerals in a mine. And, God, and, and David's here saying, Lord, I want you to, to dig up the things in my life that need to be brought to the surface. Have you ever asked the Lord to search you? 
Maybe you've searched your own life, but have you asked God to search your life? Oh, I know he already knows, but what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, come in. I give you access to every part, and I want to know what's right and what's wrong because I want to be pleasing in your sight. That was David's heart here as he wrote these couple verses. So first, we're to ask God to search me. And then secondly, we're to ask him to try me. Verse number uh, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Again, God knows our thoughts, but we're asking God now to test me, to see if I'm pure and true. I've had the privilege of taking a driving test to get a CDL, commercial driver's license. And then when we moved to Montana, one of the jobs I had, I had several trying to make ends meet, was to become a bus driver for the school district there in uh, Helena, Montana. First student is who I worked for. Well, I had a CDL, and so I went in pretty proud and saying, hey, I've got a CDL, and and, uh, I want to apply. And they say, well, we're glad to hire you, but you're going to need to get a school bus endorsement. And I went, really? Okay, it's just a written test, right? Nope, it's the whole kit and caboodle. You've got to, you've got to take a written endorsement test, and then you get to have the wonderful privilege of going with an inspector around your bus and pointing to different parts of that bus. If you pass that, and that's a big if, then you get to drive. If you make any errors, it's, it's hard to pass. Well, that, and I, and I ended up doing that. I remember studying, and Luke helped me study. He helped me with the different parts of the bus and remembering to uh, the different, what I'm supposed to point out and point to and touch and all that stuff. And those who have taken those tests remember and know what I'm talking about. Well, those tests were there to see if I knew what I was doing and if I was a good driver. And, and the, the test that we're asking the Lord to do is, Lord, test me and make sure that I'm right that I'm, I'm, I'm doing right and my motives are right. Test me, Lord. And then thirdly, we're asking the Lord to, to tell me. I want you to test me and then find out how I did. You remember taking those tests in school and waiting for the result and waiting for your grade on that particular test? Remember I took a test in my junior year of high school, AP U.S. History. My best friend took that class and and uh, he was a super, super smart history buff. He really he read history for fun as a high schooler, which is kind of weird. And uh, we were about ready. He was going to take that class. He qualified for it easily. And he said, Eric, you should take this class with me. I think you'll do fine. And I said, I just don't know that I'm that great at history. I mean, if it's math, then I may be okay in that, and, but not, not history. And he said, Eric, I think you'll do fine. Well, the one big thing about this AP U.S. history or AP classes, for those who, who don't know, you, you take an AP test at the end, and if you pass this test, then you get college credit. And it's kind of nice. You get two classes all in one. I thought, that sounds like a pretty good deal if it saves me from taking a class in college. I'm down with it. So I took the class. I struggled through it. We got to the end of the semester when it was time to take this AP U.S. history test. It was $65 to take this test at that point, which was a lot of money in our day and age. And my parents gladly, or didn't gladly pay it. They hesitantly paid for this. They said, you better pass this test, Eric. Thanks for the no pressure. Took this test, and I was 
I was floundering throughout this test, and I thought, I just hope I got my name right. That's, you know, if I get that right, then I'm good. <laughs> well, the problem with these AP tests were you had to wait basically like three months before you get your result. And so I took it, I think it was in April, and then I didn't get, I didn't get the result until July. It came in the mail. They mail you your grade. And I saw it, my dad said, hey, I think this is your grade for the AP test. Do you want to open it? And I said, I'll take that, please. <laughs> and I went in my, in my room, and I said, I'll tell you what I got later, but I want to see it. I opened it up. There's, you get a one, two, three, four, or five. Five is like a perfect score. Four is a good grade. Three is passing. Two is nice try, but you didn't do it. One is you didn't even get your name right. <laughs> and I was hoping for a, not a one. I opened it up. It was a two. Didn't get credit for my college class. I ended up passing that U.S. history class for my junior year of high school. Well, I got that that day. My friend, my best friend called me, and he's like, hey, did you get your score for your test? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I got a four. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> What'd you get? Never mind. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Mind your own business. Stop being so nosy. <laughs> when, when we're asking God's, God, when God is testing us, uh, we need to say, Lord, I want the results. Break it to me, Lord. I know there may be some things in there that aren't as pleasant as others, but but break it to me. I want to know the truth of who I am in your sight. That's what David was saying. He's like, look, I know I may not get a passing grade here, but there's room for improvement, and I'm willing to make those improvements. And then, third, and then fourthly here, he says, lead me. He asks he the Lord to lead him. Verse number 24, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Show me how to correct my ways. Lead me in the right direction because that's the direction I want to go. Those are good prayers to have in our lives. God knows it all, but when we invite him to come in and, and search us, to let us know and see how we're doing, then it gives us the ability to go in the right direction. Let's wrap it up here this morning by... I quote a couple of verses. Second Timothy chapter two and verse number nineteen says this: Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal: the Lord knoweth them that are His. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Aren't you glad that He knows you? Are you His? Do you belong to Him? There's a curious passage. In the book of Matthew, as Jesus is speaking, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that network iniquity. Wait a minute, I thought God knows all. God does know all. It's not saying that he had no knowledge of you. 
saying that he didn't know you as one of his. The Lord knoweth them that are his. I know my children a lot differently than I would know someone else's child that I met once. I know my children pretty intimately. God knows me intimately because I'm one of his. I'm one of his children, not just because he created me, but because he bought me with the blood of Christ. And I belong to him. Does God know you like you're one of his real children? Have you come to know him as your savior? Do you know for sure that you have a relationship with God? Have you believed on Christ? not, I would encourage you and challenge you to make that decision today, to believe on Christ, and then you will be saved. And then the Bible says, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He'll know you in a different way than he's ever known you before. 